Welcome back, and we're splintering back once again to another episode of Twelve Monkeys. Well, it's um, I, I just I think it's nice that we're getting a nice little break from all the emotion that we've had the last couple weeks. Uh, good episode, but it was a break from you know we had the the reveal of Katarina's daughter Hannah back. You know the episode before that we had Sam being kidnapped uh, away from Ramsey. Just a lot of emotions the last two weeks, so. This one definitely brought things down a little bit. You know, we got to see the tall man and Olivia, who who I thought was dead, uh, but she's not, obviously. Uh, we got to see them. Uh, we had Jennifer forming the hyenas. Uh, Cole going back to 2016 to meet with Jennifer. And we had a bit of a Ramsey and Cassie team up. And then we had a big reveal at the end of, end of the episode. So a lot of stuff to get into. Uh, and this episode is... Uh, you know, uh, appropriately titled uh, Hyena, which, you know, we finally get to learn about, which Jennifer mentioned last week. So, but before we get into all that, let's just introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm your host, Pacing Pete, alongside always from the Flash podcast, from the Marvel Report, and from Comic Book Resources, Miss Lauren Galloway. What's up, Lauren? Hey, Pete. How you doing today? I'm good. This episode, you're right. It was definitely more action-driven. Versus emotion driven. And it was kind of refreshing to have a little break. And at the same time, we got Lucy Olivia again and that really crazy reveal at the end. So I'm excited to jump into kind of the themes and topics of this episode. Yeah, a lot of themes and a lot of topics for sure in this one. Um, and also joining us from the GWW, Mr. Hank Hill. What's up, Hank? Doing pretty good in yourself, Pete. Doing quite well. Uh, let's let's just get into this episode. Um, a lot of little storylines going on, little, a lot of little arcs. Um, let's tackle uh, one of the main ones that started the, at the very beginning. You know, we see the tall man, he's back, uh, and he's, he's getting uh, baited or called out a little bit by Jennifer, who has started to form her own group, the Hyenas, who uh, we were kind of teased about in last week's episode. Um, Lauren, what did you think of of her uh, bringing this group together, and and did you think at all that this was kind of uh, a precursor to her eventually forming the daughters? Yeah, totally. I mean, they were starting to call her mother. I think that this is definitely what, like, the hyenas are what the daughters turn into, and it's interesting that she went back to the mental institution to liberate people, because that shows you what type of person Jennifer is. Like, she got her freedom, and she wanted to share her freedom and spread her freedom with other people that were like her, but at the same time, they were still unhealed, and, you know, were having issues, like the one girl that put a gun to Cole's head in the middle of the episode. So it's interesting to see the types of people that Jennifer is drawing to herself and yet how they're not the most trustworthy people because they're just as kind of broken and damaged as she is. Yeah, very much so. Um, you know, uh, we were talking a little bit before the show, Hank, about, uh, you know, Jennifer forming her own uh, A-team, so to speak, with all Murdochs. Which she even says herself. What did you think of that? Did you like those little references she was throwing in there? Uh, I love Jennifer's references this year. Uh, the, the team full of Murdochs, and it's it very apropos. You know, he he was very bright, but he, he had a few screws loose, just as as her squad does. But <laughs> just piggybacking off what Lauren said, it, it really gives you a, a peek inside to to her her loyalty and just how she feels uh, indebted to people. You know, 
long after she's she's associated with them. So I, I think it's it's really good to see her becoming taking on a leadership role. Yeah, um, and then we had you know Cole coming back uh, to to meet up with her after he had his his little conversation with you know twenty forty four Jennifer. Um, Lauren, what did you think of of their conversation and how it you know Jennifer had the little line or uh, let me take that back the twenty forty four Jennifer had the little line at the end when she's talking with Cole and and she says you know somebody once told me. Um, Oh, I'm forgetting the line now. Dang it, I had it in my head. Something about... Um, it's the choices that... The most yeah, important choice you can make is the one that you choose. Yes, yeah, so what did you think of that and how, you know, we hear that the first time and then we see that it's actually Cole that is the one that gives her the advice. It's kind of like a circular thing there, like it's a loop. What did you think of that? Yeah, that's another really good example about... There's, I mean, they say this in the very beginning of the show... There are no straight lines to go forward. You have to go back to go to the beginning. You have to go to the end. There's a very, there's a lot of very cyclical themes in this show. And like, that's, I was thinking about that because it's so easy for us to say, like when we're taught history, we're taught to look at it like very linearly. Like, you know, this is when, uh, you know, there was, Julius Caesar was in Rome, and then this is when the pyramids were built, and this is, you know, like, we look at things as a straight line, and yet what this show constantly proves is that, like, everything that you do, you're actually, like, causing in the past, which then would cause you to say in the future, like, like, Paul heard Jennifer say it first in his time. And then when he went back, he said it to her so that she could say it to him. Like, it's so, it's like <laughs> such an interesting way to look at time, which I think is very, it's a great analogy because, you know, we look at time on a straight line, but we measure time on a clock, which is a circle. So I think there are some cool themes there that the writers are really trying to show us the differences in how we look at time and like causality and what really creates what. Yeah, I, I really like that, too, and I think it opens up so many possibilities because, you know, for example, this was just done in terms of just dialogue between uh, Jennifer and Cole. Um, you know, who knows how this could be affected in terms of big story arcs or how it could affect big story arcs going forward, you know, in terms of going back in time and knowing, it, you know, something already happened in the future. Um, you know, is that is that Hank, is that – do you find that confusing at all or do you like that, you know – them splintering back uh, can have an effect that they do see later in the future, but they're still going back to manipulate it somehow. Does that does that make sense at all? Because I think I'm confusing myself. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, Lauren just kind of blew my mind, like mind blown. If I had one of those pictures, to... <laughs> yeah, just the, the circle of time, and it's almost like a Jenga set. You know, you're building a Jenga and you get it set, but th there's that one block. And if you remove that, it causes the complete collapse of the entire pile. And I think that's kind of what they're facing with the time travel and, and the loops. You know, they're going back. The causality they're seeing in the future on their end, but they're all, they also have to be cognizant of everything they do there can have an adverse effect. In them. So, I mean, if you pull the wrong block or if, you know, the wrong person isn't saved, you know, those effects are going to 
you know, you're going to give your bad nosebleed. And we see those every time, you know, <laughs> something happens and they feel the effect. It's, it's not only mentally, but it's, it's, uh, physically they have to deal with the, with the consequences as well. So it's just, it's very complex and layered. And a lot of times after something will happen, I'll pause it just for a moment before going forward, just to kind of, ah, okay, I see where that is. And then I'll unpause and keep going. You know, it's just, that's a great thing about the show, I think. Yeah, it's a good thing you do that too. I mean, I know I do that with a lot of shows myself where you have to take a moment to digest what you just watched. Exactly. You know, because, yeah, because it's, you know, you can watch it, you know, the first time and, and take it all in, but you really need to keep watching it and, and, and slowly get into it like we are and to really process everything that's going on. Um, you know, and just moving on here, you know, Cole goes back to 2016 because of his conversation about with Jennifer about having him to see uh, to get to the tall man. Let's talk about him a little bit. You know, we got to see him in this episode a lot more than we have in the last few. But it wasn't just him. We saw Olivia as well, who I I didn't even know was alive. I thought, you know, you know, we had that whole uh, Cassie and Jennifer team up not that long ago, and it seemed to me that she was bleeding out. She was dead. Tall man said, "Okay, pretty much, I'm I'm going to be the one that's going to take this over now." Uh, but she is alive and well. Um, Lauren, what did you think about uh, seeing them? You know, seeing them back together, seeing uh, this kind of unholy alliance, and and what were your thoughts on seeing Olivia after what we did see a few episodes ago? I was so surprised to see Olivia when I was watching this episode because I thought that when she fell in the pool that she was left for dead. And my first thought when she died was, wow, I really wanted to know more about her. I wanted to know who her, her father was and who her parents were because she had made references to those people in season one. And like, she seemed like such an important character. And then to see her like broken like that in the pool, a couple episodes back, it did really surprise me. And part of me was hoping that she wasn't just like this one note, character that was kind of written in but really the story was about the tall man i'm so glad that she was back and yeah she's in a wheelchair um but she's still alive and like it was so interesting she was asking she was asking the tall man questions and you know she was talking about like she said didn't she say our father did she use that phrase yes yes okay so like i'm starting to wonder if maybe they're related or if that's just kind of a broad term like the way that the daughters call jennifer their mother if they call someone their father but like is the witness their father because at one point she looks at him when they find out that oliver peoples is is back and she says the witness didn't foresee this did he so I think Olivia is going to be a, what's the word? Not like a loose cannon, but like a rogue element moving forward. Because I don't think she's 100% on board with everything that's going on. Especially because the witness practically left her to die. And let the tall man take her role as like the, the, the lead person. So I thought it was really cool that we got to see Olivia again. And I loved kind of the, you know, just how they like brought her back and the fact that she is not necessarily who we thought she was. Yeah. She, she seems to be coming, uh, becoming very skeptical of the witness with everything that's happened with how the tall man has, uh, taken over. Uh, she even, uh, says, I think something to the effect of, I didn't realize you were adapting to the technology the way you are. 
just they're very different and it shows because you know she's all business and he is too but they're doing things very differently but she's becoming very skeptical of everything uh hank what do you think of her skepticism do you think uh do you think like lauren said do you think she's going to be this kind of rogue force going forward or do you think she's gonna eventually let it pass and just fall back in line well you know i think she's a classic example of why uh villains never really tend to win much because they're working together for their own agendas but they, they never really like each other they never really agree with the other they're, they're taking their lead from the witness you know that's really the only thing they have in common they, they seem to despise each other and so you know her skepticism i think is something that is going to play in the end in in the favor of cole and katarina and Cassie and everyone you know if she sees her opportunity i think uh, if she sees an opportunity where the tall man is vulnerable, she's going to take advantage of that. Whether it ruins whatever mission they're on, you know, personal agenda is definitely going to uh, get in the way of what they're trying to accomplish. And I think she was very, very uh, crude also by planting seeds of doubt into the, the tall man's mind. And I think that's why he, he tried to smother her and he just shut up. So he just covered her mouth like that. You know, because I think it was working. I think she was. He didn't see this. And how do you know that? So I, I think it's working what she was doing. And it actually made him become unhinged and, you know, wrap his hand around her mouth, which obviously, for whatever reason, I don't know if the witness is having him keep her alive. Perhaps that's why she didn't die in the pool. But I think she's playing she's playing her role. And uh, I think the descent in the ranks in the end is going to be good for, for Cole and everyone. Yeah, I thought it was really dark when he grabbed her by the face. And I, I I didn't know. I was like, is he like gonna like suffocate her right now? Right. Like, is he is he like does he? My other thought was, does he have like some sort of power where he's like got her hand wrapped around her face, kind of like almost uh, almost like you know the Vulcan mind trick where right. where he, Spock puts his hand on somebody's face and or is that that transference thing? Like, I was like, is there something going on there? Right. Uh, Lauren, what did you think of that exchange and, and how it definitely made the tall man a lot darker? At first, I thought he was going to kill her. I was like, damn, she's alive? Okay, no, not for very long. I like, I looked <laughs> away at one point and like, you know, peeked through my fingers like, oh, is she going to be okay? Um, I think that knowing that he didn't kill her, I think he was just exercising his authority over her. Just in that moment, like... Like, I could kill you at any time with my bare hands. Like, feel my force. And I think it was a show of force because mm. he was feeling her kind of rise up. And maybe he's been under her thumb for a long time. And so for her to be lower than him physically because she's in a wheelchair and, like, I don't want to say, like, spiritually, but, like, mentally, like, he's now in charge and she's not. So she's lower than him in every way possible. And I think that was just him showing her like force like i'm in charge now like you're gonna be silent you're gonna be quiet especially because she questioned the witness which right it's probably like heretical if you know if their religion is the witness uh that was probably his kind of like weird reaction to like don't you dare talk about the witness like that <laughs> and because he's not like a healthy person you know he did it through a show of force yeah, it really brings up a lot of questions. Just, you know, what's their relationship? What, why are these two people together? Why does he, you know, if, if, 
if indeed he is keeping her alive why is he keeping her alive is it because the witness wants her to keep to stay alive you know just a, a lot of things to ponder when it comes to these two because of their relationship what we've seen them go through and what they could potentially be doing down the line more specifically the tall man what his agenda is um you know let's just real quickly talk about how you know when they were uh they were trying to go after oliver peters who you know we hadn't seen since season one when cassie told him pretty much go find a hole go hide in it uh but he sprouts up and he's ready to tell everybody about uh how they're they have no future and there's a plague coming and and all this is going on and and then you know we have the tall man who you know, again, is, is staying ahead of the game and has a bomb go off at the hospital they're at, killing everybody there, taking out Jennifer's hyenas. You know, Jennifer feels really, really bad. You know, we see the, the scene following that and how, you know, she's upset. She's talking to Cole. She can't believe what's going on. She's telling him, is this the person I become? Is this is this is this who I am in the future? You know, and he kind of calms her down. And like we said earlier, you know, he gives us the, the same advice that she gave him in 2044. Hank, what did you think of, of, of how all that transpired and how it really affected Jennifer? Yeah, I think this episode was really a great uh, showcase of, of where Jennifer has come through her whole journey from the beginning. Uh, it kind of showed her taking, being more assertive and you know, taking a leadership role and, showing her loyalty and freeing those that she was locked up with. And then uh, when the tragedy befalls them at the hospital, you see her reaction and it's, it's really heartfelt. And I think she understands that, you know, they're going into a war, but the the loss and the casualties don't really hit hard you know, or hit home until something like that happens. And for her to lose all of her hyenas in one fell swoop, I mean, you know, she's alive. She's still here. Out of all everything that's happened, you know, she's still there standing. And I think it's probably a little survivor's guilt. And, you know, by freeing them, did she lead them to their death? And so, you know, it's really a showcase for how far Jennifer has come. And, you know, the, the emotions and the complexity that, that she has. Um, and I think it's going to go into molding the Jennifer that we see in 2044, where she's much more isolated and she's kind of surrounded. And, you know, everything's kind of stay behind scenes i think that this event probably stayed with her she wanted to as she got older find better ways to to, to do things behind the curtain without exposing everyone so I, I just think it's a it's a great episode just showing how far she's come on this journey yeah she she really has come a long way and 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 it is fun watching her evolution you know from what we saw her in the first and in, in the first season and and seeing her you know uh transform into 2044 Jennifer. just watching i the one of the things i love about uh a story where we kind of see the character's end point is watching them get there and and you know that's like you said hank that's just been one of the great things to watch this season especially this episode is gives a real good insight uh from her trans uh, in her transformation from 2016 to 2044 it's been fun to watch now uh with all this going on you know uh cole and jennifer did get their hands on the man and we have the scene where uh cole's just beating the crap out of the tall man just taking out all his anger after he killed his father just it's all coming out all that revenge it's just it's just pouring out you know and and it's not just that but they got to find this last primary that you know they've been able to find all the primaries up to this point but 
they can't find this one and they know that he knows this information and it takes a swift beating to finally get it out of him uh lauren what did you think of of that scene and and how it escalated to uh getting the information out of the tall man yeah that was really intense and you know i think cole always struggles with the line between what's right and what's wrong because he grew up in the future because he was a scab for a while because he was trained by deacon i think i mean he's very much like oliver queen on arrow in the sense that he's been trained to do really terrible things and yet because of cassie and jennifer and the people in his life that love him he's like trying to not be so out of control so that you could you could see the struggle in Cole in that scene. Yeah, it was a it was a a big struggle and man, it was I, I really enjoyed it. Just why I enjoyed it, I thought it was kind of crazy too, because it was so intense. The editing was really well done. I mean, they're doing slow motion when he's beating the crap out of the guy, which makes it even more intense. Um, you know, with with all this going on, you know, we haven't had a chance to talk about Ramsey and Cassie. And how, you know, in the last episode, we saw Ramsey was ready to kill Cassie because of everything that had happened with her and, and being under the control of the witness and Sam being kidnapped. You know, he was just done, you know, and then she tells him about Titan. So now they're on a mission to go find a character called uh, the Keeper, I think he was called. And he's got the information about Titan. He's He can help them locate the, uh, this this place that... that that Cassie saw in uh, in her vision from the witness. Uh, Hank, what did you think of, of of that and how a lot of their emotions just came out because, well, they were forced to have it come out? I thought this was a really fascinating character and setting to introduce with, with the Kiefer. Uh, he's tasked himself with cataloging and keeping as much of humanity's uh, history and culture that he can and he has, he has them hooked up to this lie detector test, and I think he called this place the House of Truth. And, uh, you know, he, he, he said there that the world was broken from lies. You know, he, he directly blamed, you know, the uh, state of the world, the apocalyptic setting on, you know, people and their lies and not telling the truth. And, you know, Cassie tried to fool with him. You know, she didn't want to be completely honest, understandably why. But uh, she felt a little bit of his wrath, and then, you know, she realized that she had to come clean. I think it was very telling at the end of that, uh, that scene with her saying, you know, the person that she gave up everything for, you know, she lost Aaron. She's jet-setting across all of time and space. And in the end, he had the choice to make. He picked Ramsey over her. And then for Ramsey to come back and say, that's the exact same reason that he really hates her. <laughs> he felt that. The cold. So you have this guy in the middle cold being pulled at by these two people that he loves tremendously. And you, it just gives you a chance to really see the fallout on their end. You know, someone that they sacrifice so much for and believe in, you know, they both kind of feel like he picked the other over them. I just think it's a very uh, it's a very cool aspect to show. And, and the watcher, I'm just fascinated with. Hopefully this won't be the only time they mention him. But uh, I thought it was really telling and, and just told a lot about the characters. Yeah, I mean it's not your typical love triangle. Um, it's it's, <laughs> right. it's 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 very different. Um, but it it brought out so much emotion in these two characters that really don't like each other, but they know they have to work together to accomplish their mission. Uh, Lauren, what did you think of of how it came out that they pretty much are jealous of each other because of Cole? 
I loved this whole exchange. I thought it was super cool. What's his name again? The Watch? The Keeper. Uh, the Keeper. That he, he traffics in truth. I love that because it's so easy for people to lie or to cover up what's really going on on the inside. And for him to hook people up to a lie detector test, I think it's just so hilarious. Like, like if you want truth, you have to give truth. And I thought that was really profound. And I loved how Cassie and Cole both, not Cassie and Cole, Cassie and Ramsey both lied. And then he was like, no, like what's like, what's really going on here. And they were both able to finally find common ground because before they felt so different. And when Cole was picking each one over the other, they didn't realize that the thing that they hated each other for was actually like their point of like commonality. I thought that was really powerful. Yeah, it definitely added another layer to this, uh, these crazy relationships. And, you know, I, I did too. I really enjoyed this scene and I really hope that we do get to see the keeper. Uh, like Hank, Hank said, I hope he, he does come back in some fashion because, you know, watching him strap somebody to a lie detector test for a, an important reason, I think would be a lot of fun. Um, not just because of random thing, but because of it, it because it affects the overall story, I think it's it makes it a lot more fun to watch. Think of the, um, the information he must have there. Yeah, exactly. Like he said he went into the Pentagon and took the information. Like, he has everything. I mean, it's just kind of crazy uh, knowing he has it. But, I mean, you can tell he's not really a corrupt kind of guy. Like, he – and he doesn't he doesn't seem to have an agenda. I mean, he's, he's isolated. He's by himself. So, you know, adding – a character like him into into what's going on already, it just kind of throws a, a kind of crazy dyna- dynamic into you know this this whirlwind of a story we got going on. Um, you know, we had nice moments with with Hannah and and Katarina. Um, Lauren, what did you think of of uh, the reveal of Hannah's name that she was given by Jennifer and how it in German it was time and and also the reveal of of the father. That was pretty intense, and like it was hard for, I think it was hard to see Hannah not totally accept Jones yet, but I think it's very natural, because she doesn't know her, she isn't going to automatically call her mother, but it was very beautiful how they kind of went back and forth, because I think we talked about last week, like we weren't really sure what their relationship was going to look like, if Hannah was going to stay with the daughters, if she's going to move into the base, like... You know, it was hard to presume what would happen next. And I feel like kind of what they showed us tonight was very organic and made a lot of sense. And of course, of course, her name is Time. I mean, I think Jennifer Goins understands, like, she would have named her that because she understands that, that the, like, time travel was created on the emotional drive to save Hannah's life. And I think there's something very profound about that that Jennifer tapped into when she named her that. Um, you know, also uh, another thing I caught, I don't know if you guys caught this or not, but, you know, in the, just going back real quickly to the Cole and, and Jennifer scene when, when they're, you know, it's it's right after the explosion and she's noticeably upset. He brings in a turtle and the turtle's name's Terry. I don't know. Did you guys catch that at all? Obviously, the the, the showrunner's name is yeah. Terry Metalis, and and the turtle's name was Terry. I don't know if you guys caught that. 
I thought that was kind of a, a funny I, little I nod. I totally <laughs> caught that, and I know they've tweeted about it beforehand. I think when they were filming season two, there were some tweets between maybe Terry and the actress who plays uh, Jennifer Goins, Emily Hampshire. I just remember Terry the Turtle like being tweeted about a lot a while ago. <laughs> so when it happened, I was like, deja vu. Wait, weren't they talking about this before? <laughs> No, I totally got that because I remember those conversations and I was like, oh, this is what they were talking about. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. Um, now let's uh, let's get to the the crazy reveal that we saw at the very end of the episode, which was Katarina's husband working with the tall man and not just working on it, working with him on any project, but on Titan. Uh, Hank, what did you think about uh, the reveal of, of this huge news yeah uh, um man it just it makes you wonder you know where exactly are they going um and the tall man said it's for insurance you know so i don't do tight they have a clone facility set up there i mean they could go a thousand different directions with um with what they're doing there but it was something to do with uh the tall man asked Asked him if he believed in resurrection, I believe. So it, it's obviously something, you know, I know the whole thing uh, with the Red Forest is, you know, all of your loved ones being there and no one ever dying. You know, so with, with Titan, I'm not sure exactly what they have going on there, but I'm fascinated to find out. Yeah, Lauren, what, what did you think of that? Do you think that when he said, you know, this is just insurance, maybe the Red Forest was originally what they wanted to they wanted the main maybe place to be or or what they what they saw as their time refuge so to speak and and titan maybe became something more than that yeah i'm i'm really curious as to know what titan is and my first thought when i saw that scene was like wow if he knows how to like create time travel cuz jones is very specific about telling hannah your father created this machine but i got it to work so he is very technically proficient in physics and quantum dynamics and teleportation and all that other kind of stuff. So I was like thinking, what could he build for the witness? And, you know, my first thought would be, you know, protection and it would be a place where time actually existed because if the world is being recreated and collapsing all at the same time in the red forest. And if you want to survive that, you would have to stay somewhere where time actually is still passing normally. And so I know in a lot of science fiction, they reference something called a Faraday cage and a Faraday cage. Uh, you know, they use it in X files and they use it in a couple other places, but it's like completely sealed off. Um, usually it's like dome shaped, but no signals can get in or out of it or like certain kind of waves. I don't know, like, I don't know the scientific uh, definition behind a Faraday cage, but I was thinking maybe that's what it is. So time is collapsing around them in 2044. Whoever is inside Titan would still be alive. And then my other thought was, is it some kind of amplification, like telepathic amplification, which allows the witness to like project his consciousness into that vision that when people drink the tea, they can meet him there because if he was able to like matrix style hack into Cassie's head, 
so that when she went to the base, like he was influencing her decisions. There's so like there has to be some kind of um, kind of like Cerebro in X Men, where the witnesses' thoughts are able to extend through space and time. Those are my two thoughts. Wow, that's <laughs> that. Okay, I'm just gonna piggyback off yours because I. <laughs> That totally is is awesome, like some awesome speculation there, and it would make sense, like an amplification. I didn't th- I didn't even think about that, but that's like his power source to to get into people's minds. I mean, it, it would make total sense, and also why maybe that's why Cassie could see Titan in the vision, like she's in the Red Forest, she's in that house, but she can see where all this energy and power is coming from. Everything that the wit the witness is using, she can see that from a distance. You know, almost like, you know, like, you know, in any kind of machine, you have the main source of of power. You know, you can still see it. It's there. Maybe that's what she's seen. So it's it's interesting to to think that, you know, that I, I like the amplification uh, speculation that that could be that could I think you could uh, you can nail it really good right there, Lauren. I think that's a good um, now talking real quickly about Ramsey and and and. Uh, Cassie, just going back to them real quick, you know, they wanted to find out a lot more about Titan. They did. They they found out that they need to go to uh, – I'm blanking out on the time. Um, Germany, thank you. Uh, I can't remember the time it was. It was – was it the – somewhere in the 50s? Do you guys remember? 61. 61. And they got to meet a Dr. Kirshner who is apparently going to lead them to more about Titan. Now, looking ahead to next week's episode, you know, uh, Lauren, let me start with you. If you had to choose a story that you wanted to learn about, would you prefer to learn more about this Titan and Kirshner? Would you want to find out more about um, the tall man's agenda? I mean, if you could, if you had to pick one storyline going into next week uh, that you wanted to know more about, which one would it be? Um, Titan. I would want to know more about Titan. How about you, Hank? Um, yeah, I, I think I have to agree. It just seems like Titan holds. Because they say he feels comfortable there. It just seems like Titan holds all the answers right now. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you guys. Because, you know, we don't know what this Titan is. We don't know how it affects the witness or if he's in control of it, or if this is his, his power, like you said, Lauren, this is what amplifies him. So he can, you know, invade people's minds. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how they, how they handle this going forward. And, and also on top of that, you know, because that seems like that's become more of a Ramsey and, and Jennifer, or I'm sorry, Ramsey and, and Cassie mission. Whereas Cole He's still got to get to that primary right. and, and find out and, and, and make sure that this person doesn't paradox. But they, you know, because they, they, oh, they warned them about going to find Titan. The only thing they were going to find was death. So they're kind of on their rogue, you know, they're emotional and they're kind of, you know, seeing red, literally. Yeah, they, they really are. And it's going to be interesting to see if those two things clash going forward. Because, you know, I mean, it, it like you said, Hank, it, they... Cassie, Cassie and Ramsey have very much gone rogue with this. So I'm, I'm interested to see how this is going to be handled the, the next episode or, or even the next few episodes, because we are winding down 
towards the season, towards, you know, the end of season two. And, and I can only imagine, you know, more cans, can of worms are going to be opened as we head towards the season finale. So, uh, Lauren, is there anything else you want to add on to this week's show? Just that I enjoyed that Cole, not Cole, that Cassie and Ramsey got to have an episode together. And I think it's great when you have an ensemble cast like this that they can go on little side trips because you had Jennifer and Cole working together and then you had Ramsey and Cassie. And it's so interesting. I was thinking about this in the season one finale, how season one, the main character was Cole and all of these relationships revolved around him. But then when Cole had Cassie's splinter back in the finale, I kept thinking, wow, I wonder if season two is going to be more ensemble and we are going to have Cassie's story arcs and Ramsey's story arcs and Jennifer arcs. And I feel like they've really done that well in a season. I mean, I still feel like Cole is kind of not, I mean, yeah, I guess like the moral compass of the show, but at the same time, we're still getting these great character moments with everybody else. Uh, Hank, uh, what did, Anything else you want to add on to this episode? Yeah, I think it's great to see uh, some of the politicking that's going on behind the scenes on the, the let's just call them the axes of evil. It's, it's, it's cool <laughs> to see, you know, the dissent and they're still, everyone's trying to play the angle. Everyone wants to do what the, the witness wants them to do, but you know, Olivia has her doubt. So it, it's just really interesting to see that side of it because we always see the behind-the-scenes talks between Katarina and Cole and the, how they're setting up the missions. So I, I think it's, it's, it was very enlightening to get a peek behind the curtain on the other side. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, I I really enjoyed a lot in this episode. I liked the various, various storylines. Uh, I liked, you know, we talked earlier about how we were, we've seen a lot of Jennifer's evolution. I really enjoyed watching that. And then like Lauren said, like, I really liked the Ramsey and Cole relationship in this episode and watching that kind of transform into something that I didn't think we ever would see, which is them teaming up in more of a revenge uh, mode uh, type of way. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, how these stories all start to come together in the next few episodes. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Tonight's episode was really, really good. Like I said, it was a nice break from the emotional stuff we got the last two weeks. Um, they hit us hard with it, but now they gave us a little bit of a breather. So it's going to be a lot of fun moving forward. Um, all right. So that is going to do it for our show. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed everything. Um, Lauren, let them know where they can find you at. You guys can find me on Twitter at Lauren Galloway and a lot of the podcasts that I do are on a bit of a hiatus for the summer, but you can definitely find my news articles, movie articles, geek TV related articles over on comicbookresources.com. Awesome. And uh, Hank. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at HillDaddy0207 and I'm always uh, around the GWW site, www.gww.com entertainment section always hanging out there chatting and talking about what's going on awesome thanks Hank and you can find me at Pacing Pete on Twitter you can find this show under at Cena Nerd uh, you can also go to the GWW for all our past 12 Monkeys podcast if you want to go check if you're just catching on to see to 12 Monkeys uh, remember you can always check all our post shows out on that website 
or you can just go to at Cena Nerd on Twitter. You can find them all there. That is going to do it for our show. Until next time, we'll see you next week. This has been a production of the GWW Radio Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out Geeks Worldwide at the GWW.com for all the latest news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, movies, TV, cosplay, and more. Geeks Assemble!